Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Blaine Birch, founder of Dry Run. Blaine, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, so maybe before we kind of get into Dry Run and, and what you're doing there, let's maybe get to know you a little bit better and, and talk about kind of where you grew up. Sure. Well, I'm uh, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, born Same as me. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one of the few that actually is uh, uh, born and raised and kind of stuck around. And uh, um, but uh, yeah, so I've been here uh, basically my whole life, outside of a couple of years that I lived in Ottawa as a kid. So sure. And you have a place in Arizona, correct? Yes, in uh, in Scottsdale. Yes. Yeah. So do you spend much time down there, or? Uh, yeah, I guess technically we're snowbirds. We actually we go down in the fall. Uh, we'll be going down in just a few weeks now. And uh, we'll be down there until uh, until spring, um, and I suppose I'm I'm kind of young to do that. But uh, running the running a business from uh, really wherever I am uh, kind of works for me. So it's nice to be able to sneak away for a bit. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That that's that's where I want to be one day. Is definitely when when the snow hits, just get out of here for for months or, or at least the cold weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it's, and some people love love the winter and I just uh, <laughs> turned out to not be one of them, I guess. So it's a nice. I always joke that I was meant to live in a country or a climate that had one season and that's called summer. And if the temperature changes more than five degrees, I don't want to live there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm with you. I call it patio season. If I can if I can sit on the deck, <laughs> I'm good to go. So it's uh, I try and I I'm, I'm, I keep telling my wife I'm trying to make uh, uh, over 360 days a year of wearing shorts. So. Yeah, that's a that's a good goal actually. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe let's talk about how you kind of got into technology. Sure, sure. I uh, well, I, I started out actually at uh, U of A in their in their design program, bachelor design program. Uh, back in the uh, in the mid '90s, and um, uh, that was you know really around the time the internet was starting to um, uh, kind of come into focus, and you could actually you know design websites. They were really super basic websites, um, all responsive because back then you actually did it responsive. I was kind of laughing when it seemed to come back that way. Um, but uh, uh, so I, I kind of got a real interest in technology at that time, and, and so. Um, you know, even as a student, uh, you know, I was working on building some websites and making, you know, CD-ROMs with a director. And, yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, it was <laughs> quite a different experience technology-wise, and, and everything was a lot more difficult. You still had to hand disks around and, and things like that. And, and so when I, um, when I, when I graduated university, I, I got my first job in this uh, little design shop, and, and um uh, you know, we started doing websites because all of a sudden customers were, were saying, Hey, we, we need a website. And, and, um, so I started to play around, um, with even some flash at that time. Um, and, uh, I started teaching a, a course in, in flash at, uh, Grant McEwen. Um, and it was, I can't remember what version of flash it was. It was an awful long time ago, but it was kind of funny cause I was, I was, uh, asked to teach the course and I was kind of, a I was about a half a step ahead of the students the whole weekend. I'd get them going on something. I'd be flipping through uh, <laughs> some book to try and figure out what my next little part of the lesson was. But, um, uh, it's, uh, it worked out pretty good. So, um, and, and so that just kind of gave me a real taste for technology, but, um, my background is actually as, as a designer, um, I, I went back to school, uh, got a master's degree in design as well. Um, and, uh, so it's the, sort of that foundation of everything I, I kind of do is, is in design and, um, user experience. And, um, but I definitely have a, a real strong interest in technology right from, you know, right from the beginning. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I kind of like, well, I, I like what you're doing with dry run. And I, I like the fact that you're, you're kind of a designer doing a startup is, is kind of the, one of the things that really kind of appealed to me about having you on the show as well, because, because you are looking at from a kind of a different angle than a lot of people, right? And I think over the last few years, a lot more designers have started doing their own startups. And I think more and more need to do it. And I, the fact that you have a design background and are doing it, I think is, is really awesome. So maybe we could cover a little bit. I know you ran your own company for a little while. Um, do you want to maybe cover that a little bit and what you guys kind of did? And then we can kind of get into dry run. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I, I actually, I, I ran my own company for quite a long time, actually. I, um, I was only in that, my, my first job for um, I, maybe about three years, something like that, uh, which was great. I, I learned a lot. 
Um, but uh, I think it was around 1999, um, I just decided to, I wanted to do something on my own and, and kind of ventured out on my own. And so uh, um, that was really the start of my first business. And, and um, uh, you know, it was honestly all I had was a laptop. And um, and back in that time, it was kind of funny because it was very rare for uh, a small business or a designer just work on a laptop. But I I knew at that time I had to try and get customers, and um, and uh, so you know I had I had quite a few friends who you know tried starting out on their own, and they got these really expensive setups in their office and um, waited for the the doorbell to ring, and that that just doesn't doesn't work that way. And um, I was quite fortunate. I got a, just a laptop, got some software, and then just started um, you know hitting the bricks trying to get customers. And, um, and I, I did that for a while. I was also uh, ran um, what was called the Center for New Media at Grant McEwen as a contract as well. And so that kind of was a nice little, um, little bit of money that came in while I was getting my, my, uh, um, my business off the ground. Um, and, uh, and then just over, uh, you know, a few years, I, I, I started to get, you know, more work. I ended up, uh, I hired a staff member. Um, I landed, uh, we landed, a, you know, at that time, a, a, a quite a decent sized job. Uh, a government uh, project with um, uh, what would end up being uh, a future business partner, um, and and so it just sort of it just sort of step by step. I kind of started out myself in my home uh, until I had just a, a small shop, and and um, uh, you know I had a, a couple of designers, a couple of developers, a project manager. You know, just a a, a great little shop. And um, at that point, we were doing a lot of um, a lot of digital things and, and some really interesting things. We did some. You know, museum installations. We did some touchscreen kiosks. We did some web work, a lot of video work. Um, kind of these interactives online that that used a lot of video and and um, a real mix of um, really interesting things. So, um, so I you know really that, that I, I was uh, part of that um, sort of design business and, and service business um, up until I think it was about 2012 when I when I. Uh, decided to uh, sell that business, move on, and, and uh, get started on Dry Run. Sure. So that's a great segue into maybe let's talk about kind of what is Dry Run and how you came up with the idea. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Dry Run is actually, it's, it's for small businesses to manage their cash flow and do uh, financial forecasting. And um, that's something that I, I learned running my own business. It was... Um, uh, uh, to be honest, I didn't I didn't pay that much attention to to um, our finances until the recession hit. Um, it was about two thousand nine, and all of a sudden, um, you know, we were we had clients just slamming the door on their budgets. We had you know um, uh, some clients just completely going out of business and gone. And um, for us, suddenly it was it was instead of just sort of money was coming in the door, and we just had enough top line revenue and didn't really worry about it. Suddenly. Um, we were kind of scrambling to get new customers and, and, and now I had all this overhead. Um, and, uh, that's really, that struggle was really the, the first, um, uh, kind of inception for, for what would end up to be dry run later it was just the struggle with uh, a spreadsheet to try and figure out, um, you know, what's coming in the door and, and can we, can we keep our door open? Quite frankly, at that point it was, you know, you, you build a business up and there's a certain point where it becomes complicated. Because suddenly it's not just you or it's not just you and one or two other people suddenly have all these expenses. Now you have all this overhead and these bills are coming. You know, you're paying your staff every two weeks and, and you're, you're paying your, your, your rent and, and taxes and everything monthly. And, and um, suddenly it gets really complicated. And, and as you start to look at the numbers, you realize um, a couple bad months and, and your doors are shut and, um, uh, and you owe a lot of money. And so suddenly there's a stress put on my shoulders and, you know, I'm a designer by trade. I, I didn't have any finance background. And so this was something I really struggled with. And, um, you know, you know, we had, we had, you know, of course we had accountants and bookkeeper and everything, but, but, uh, they're, they're not a lot of help in that sense because they don't know what's coming down the pipe. They don't know, uh, if you're going to have enough work next month, they, they really look at your, your past records of what's happened, um, and that doesn't help me keep my doors open. So I started to build up systems within our own business um, uh, using spreadsheets. We started to do, actually do some product work at that point, which was uh, also something that really helped lead into dry run. We started doing uh, mobile apps in, in um, I believe, I think it was 2009. It was right after the iPhone came out in Canada. Right. Um, we started doing some mobile apps and um, uh, I got a real bug for product actually at that time, at sort of the same time. But part of that was just we, we had to try and bring some some money in and, and, um, uh, 
and it was interesting because I did find that um, by really getting a handle on on where we were at and kind of knowing, um, you know, kind of uh, what our burn rate was every month and what our um, what we needed to come in, when these payments were going to come in, um, it actually really helped uh, grow the business because um, you know suddenly it wasn't just foggy. Suddenly you could look and go, man, we got uh, our, our sales are, are like you know we got a big trough in the summer. And we got to, you know, and you can start to find, see these things months out and then you start, you're remedying it. Now you're, now you're selling hard, even though you might be busy, you're selling hard to get that work to come in when you need it and um, starts to stabilize your sales pipeline, starts to stabilize that cash flow. And also by the end of the year, we're actually, we had like one of our best years, I think was in 2011 or 2012. Like we actually bounced back really well. And I think a lot of it was because we, we suddenly knew where we stood and, and we had those really strong goals in mind um, and could adjust along the way. So that, that's really the start of dry run was um, these, these days of my own business for, for a number of years where I just tried to figure out um, how to understand uh, finance and how to understand how that affects my business and how to make it sort of actionable, how I can use that, 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 uh, that information to make decisions and grow my business. No, I, I think that's awesome. And, and I kind of love the idea of startups that are based on kind of sometimes based on your own need, right? And it based on your own experience, you can create a product that, you know, will help you and other people. And the fact that I think a lot of people forget about kind of managing their finances. And yeah, it's like money's coming in, we're good, right? And that's kind of where they left off, like you mentioned. So I think having a piece of software or, or something to track and manage that and and like you said no oh well this summer's going to be slow you know we need to start selling in maybe april or may or something i think that's awesome yeah and the 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 big thing actually to be honest looking back now is i realize how much money we left on the table and it kind of when i think about it kind of makes me sick because i realize um there we were we focused so much on the product we had going out the door of course that's that's paramount we we focused so much on customer service we focused so much on creativity that was all really important, but we never really knew if we were profitable on right. the, um, until I started getting these systems in place. And then you start to realize that, um, you know, we, we, we could have offered really the same level of, of a service, and, and, but we just had to know. We had to know where we were at. We had to make some decisions. We had to improve some efficiencies to make sure that we were actually um, profitable and actually making money because there, there's, there's lots of ways to kill a business. And, and, you know, cash flow is one of them. If you, if you, uh, um, you know, you got to pay your staff, you got to pay your rent and, and you're sitting there waiting for a check to come in. It doesn't come in. Um, and if you have no, no padding, you're, you're, you're in trouble and it doesn't take long to, until you're closing your doors. But on the other side, um, you can, you can have some really strong sales. You can be busy. You can have people paying you on time. Um, but if you have this big trough cause you haven't been selling and at the end of the year, you're, you're, uh, you're down, you don't have enough money to cover your expenses or you're not profitable. It's like those three things can, can actually kill a business. And some of them are kind of, um, they're that slow death, you know, death by a thousand cuts and you don't realize it cause you're not paying attention to it. And all of a sudden you're, you're in the red and you're in the red and you're in the red and you, and you can't dig yourself out. So it's, um, it, it, that, that whole side to me was, was something that I was really, um, really focused on making, making a, a product that, um, you know, a non-finance person, because very few business owners come from finance. They, they, uh, they're usually domain experts in, in whatever field they're in. Um, and I wanted to make something that, that works for the sort of your average business owner that they can get hold of their finances. It's visual, it's easy to use. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, even the way we split up dry run as, as sort of, uh, sort of a philosophy is, is we kind of say, okay, take all your recurring payments and expenses and even income and, and sock that away. You know what your burn rate is every month. You know what's coming in and what's going. Um, and focus on those receivables and those payables, especially in a service business. Those are the ones that are going to kill you. Those those um, those big invoices that are floating out there if you're not getting paid on time or if you just don't have enough work coming in. Um, and the second thing that we, we, we did with Dry Run that I was uh, I know I struggled a lot with was um, uh, even you know using spreadsheets or whatever you're using. I only had a single view of my business and, and um, I couldn't, I, I couldn't compare scenarios. I couldn't sort of look at those what ifs. And that was really important because it was, you know, sometimes it was, what if we don't get paid this check on time? How do we, how do we manage that? 
but a lot of it also was, you know, quite frankly, what if we land that big contract? Um, do we have enough capacity? When will we start getting paid? When will this money start coming in? Because if we have to have capacity, we might not have the, the, the actual uh, money in place to be able to pay the people that we're bringing in. Um, it, you know, things can start to get really complicated and, and um, uh, it can get really stressful when you don't know uh, where you're headed. It's just this, it's this nagging, awful feeling in the back of your mind where you just you feel a little out of control, a uh, little indecisive, and you're like, okay, where, where are we going here? And, and um, it's, uh, it's amazing what, um, you know, really honestly, what, what a few minutes a week can do to just know where you're at um, and, and keep track of things. It, it helps you make those decisions, but also, you know, frankly, it takes that stress level down a few notches as well. Sure. So um, it's dryrun.com. And if I go there, kind of how do I get started? And then what do I kind of do once I create an account? Uh, well, you can you can get started with a, a free 30-day uh, trial right on dryrun.com, um, and uh, that'll take you right into Dry Run, and you can just start playing around with the product. Um, we have, uh, you know, you can actually message us from right inside the product if you have, uh, you know, questions or, or uh, anything like that. So, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Usually we're really quick to when people are asking questions. Um, and uh, you just sort of dive in and, and, uh, and play around with it. Now, we do have some... some um, uh, some new some new things in the works for dry run um, we're just actually rolling out a new version of it uh, that's coming out this fall and and one of the common questions we have is do we integrate and you know do we automatically import other data and that's some of the things that we're going to be doing this fall uh, where we'll start integrating with um, you know some of the really common um, uh, expenses and invoice tools um, uh, to help bring that data and just to make it a lot easier and faster to get going um, and we're also going to bring in templates so that if you're, if you're a startup or you haven't really been tracking your stuff and you don't really know where to start, we're going to actually help you get started and um, give you sort of that starting point and that model that you can look at. No, that's awesome. So what is the cost of Dry Run? Uh, Dry Run starts at, at $19 a month. Um, it's just a monthly subscription. Uh, now, we are going to introduce a couple of new pricing levels um, uh, this fall and into the new year. Uh, again, based just on what, what customers are telling us that they want that, that really isn't in the product. And, and um, so very soon we're going to have, like, we, we, you can already export from Dry Run. You can export a graph. You can export a spreadsheet. Um, but we have our customers telling us they'd like to do some more sort of advanced reporting, um, kind of one-click, beautiful report they can, they can send off to their board or their accountant or their, you know, their bank, whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's going to be um, uh, a new level, and it'll come along with a new, new monthly price once we've settled on that. Um, and then we're also doing uh, some more advanced collaboration. Uh, we've had a lot of requests for um, people managing larger teams, managing um, the teams within a, even an enterprise environment with multiple budgets. And so we're working on some, um, some, some collaboration features that I think will be really, really useful for that sort of environment. Um, and that'll also be coming out likely later this fall or, or early in, in the uh, new year. And um, that'll also be a, give us a third price point as well. No, that's awesome. I, I think what's really key and what I like about what you guys are doing is you're really getting feedback from your users. And I think some some companies seem to forget about that, right? That just because you think, you know, what your customer wants, it might be correct, it might not be, but the fact that you're taking users' feedback and you know trying to basically build new features to accommodate your current customers and you know um, future customers, I, I think is really really important. And I think some people forget about that and they don't understand the importance of kind of user testing and getting customer feedback and even supporting your current customers. Yeah, it's it's um uh, it, it's amazing. Like, I, really, I look at the way Dry Run is heading right now. This new build we have coming out, but then sort of our, our roadmap for the next uh, uh, four to six months um, is is built on the back of our customers, and you know that feedback is just so incredibly valuable. And it's 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 easy to think, well, you know, you can't jump and you can't respond to everything a user says, and that's that's completely true, but. The more feedback you get, it doesn't take long to start identifying trends and, and realizing, um, you know, this is this is a feature that is is uh, asked for quite frequently. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, it's got to be in there because it's actually it's actually affecting our conversion. Um, and uh, you know, from it's a you know, I, I shouldn't start with conversion because that's not where we start. We always start with it's affecting our our, our customers. It's affecting our users. 
uh, you know, I can see why. And, and, um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes we have uh, a customer just, they'll mention a feature request and, um, it may be the first time we've heard it, but I, we've had somewhere it's the first time I've heard it, but is absolutely a head slapper. You look at it and go, that is the most obvious thing that should be in there. Absolutely. We just missed it. Sure. And, and, um, and not all customers will pick up on it, but as soon as you introduce it, they're like, oh, that's terrific. You know, that makes perfect sense. So having that way to get customer feedback is just, um, it's just so, so important. And so that was something we've been working on since we, we launched. Um, initially, when we launched, we had a little burst of people, but then it starts to settle down and you're starting to get into, okay, how do we get that, that consistent traffic, the consistent signups and consistent feedback? And um, we worked on that for quite a while, but it, it, it really paid dividends because we, um, we have a, a way that we're getting kind of constant feedback. It's very easy for people to get hold of us from right inside the app ask us questions. We, we prompt them with little survey questions and, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, it, that makes a really big difference to, to really understanding your product. It's, it's, um, uh, you've got to reach out to them. You, you can't just expect them just to, you know, kind of try and track you down. You've got to kind of, you know, ask them, prompt them. And, and, um, it's amazing sometimes when, when someone's asked me a quick question and, and I'll, I'll get on to, uh, uh, like we use intercom, which I, yeah, it's just been terrific to be honest. It's really a great tool for us. Um, and, uh, uh, I'll get on with uh, a customer and, and, you know, suddenly, you know, half hour, 45 minutes later, we've just been chatting back and forth and they're, and they're giving me full descriptions of, you know, what type of business they run and, and, and how they approach it and what their challenges are. And, and, um, it's, uh, uh, that's really, um, you know, it's really fascinating, but it's also really gratifying because you get a lot of feedback where, you know, it's, it's, it's great when you hear people say, this is, this is fantastic. I've been searching for this forever and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's just awesome to get that feedback, but we always prompt them like, Hey, what can we do to, to make it better? And, and, you know, sometimes it's, 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 uh, uh, some really simple things. Like one of them was just, um, yeah, again, it was just one of the obvious ones, but one of, uh, one of our customers said one time, said, well, the one thing is just, just don't log me out as soon because I just, I, I'm in and out of the office all the time. I just want to be able to pop in and I don't want to be logged out so fast. Sure. That's, that's actually really good feedback. And it's a simple fix, right, on your end. Exactly. Super simple fix and just something that, um, you know, we kind of went, yeah, okay, that, that totally makes sense, you know. And, and um, so it's, it's, uh, that, that feedback has just been phenomenal. And um, the other really interesting thing we found is, is we've, um, we, we built it as really, a, um, you know, a North America product, to be honest, because we're familiar with that business environment. We um, you know, that's where we're going to get started where, you know, we, we, we use the dollar on everything right now. We're actually, our new build will actually be, um, uh, we'll, we'll convert currencies and all that. So you can use your currency symbol and everything and then your number styles and all that. Um, but the interesting thing is we've had signups from over 70 countries. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And we, we have customers from seven, like paying customers, seven or eight countries, um, in our current build that it does not really be, I'll be honest, it doesn't work that well for people and a lot of other using different currencies. And, but we found out that the need is there and it's so strong that people just, they'll just use it anyway. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how many, um, Hey, when can I change my currency? Well, it's coming really soon, but you know, you've got to get that first product out there. You've got to get feedback. Cause that was just one of the things we, we sacrificed initially is just, let's just roll it out and see what happens. And, um, that was a bit of a surprise. And, uh, it's, it's something we're kind of looking at, um, how do we make this work for people across the world? Because they, they obviously need it. Um, it brings challenges with, with how you're going to actually charge for the product because of course, currencies vary in value so much. Sure. Um, but for, for me, when I look at it, I'm just, you know, you have people from all over the world just popping on, asking questions, giving feedback. And um, these are all small business owners, and, and we, we want to help them. We want to be there helping them run their business. Um, so it's, it's not as much about, um, you know, bringing in money from all these different regions because it's probably, frankly, easier for us just to focus on, on a few key markets. But we want a way to, to, um, to help people across the world because they're, they're, they're saying right now, like, we need this thing. Okay, well, let's, let's figure out a way to make it work better for, for everybody. So it's been a, a big surprise, actually. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think you touched on a really key point that I really want to kind of reiterate is, like you said, obviously, it only accepts the dollar right now. And and you knew that going in that, you know, basically what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is 
that you basically released it before you were 100% happy with like a feature, right? And that feature was currency. And I think that's the big thing. Like a lot of people forget is they spend so much time trying to get everything perfect where, you know, you released it, you probably assumed that there was probably a demand for it, but you validated that with people using it all all across the world saying, you know, we can you can you roll this out? And a lot of times, like you mentioned, people are just saying, well, we don't really care that it's in dollars and that's not my current currency. We still want to use the product. We'll just tell you that we we are using the product and that we want, you know, to suggest that feature in the future. And I think that's that's super important because a lot of people will spend months or years rolling out something and then they launch it and then they get a bunch of feedback and sometimes they even have to change the entire product where you roll it out when you have a good good enough version that makes a lot of sense and that's usable but maybe doesn't work in certain parts of the world. I, I think that's really important to mention again. Yeah, it's it's um that's and that's a struggle, especially as a, an entrepreneur. And and you know what, I'll be honest, being a designer, it's a real struggle for me to to launch things that I'm not you know 100% sort of happy with. But it's that the other side is that that whole launch and learn. Sure. And, yeah. And you sort of have to like I just sort of had to force myself to go. No, it's 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 good enough. Let's get it out. We have to get feedback and. Every time we do new, do new features, and, and quite frankly, even this the second version, we've, we've taken so much feedback. We know we have to integrate these other tools. We've, so we're making this this product really from scratch to, to sort of accommodate all this information we have um, and, and make it you know perform better. But we also know we've got to get this out. It's not it's not going to be um, uh, it's not going to have everything that we want right away. But it's it's again even in this point, it's like when is it when is it good enough? When is it a really nice yeah. step up in what we have? And that's really hard for entrepreneurs to let go of, but it's it's um, it's so important, and it's that old sort of MVP um, uh, sort of mantra. The one thing that I, I sort of caution um, other entrepreneurs though is is um, focus on the V, <laughs> you yeah, know, not, yeah. not the M. Totally. Um, that's that's something that uh, is is really important. Is you still have to you have to have that that value there, and if you have that core value there, um, then then you can get those users and get really usable feedback. Um, but you've just got to get it out there and, and, and it's never finished. So just get it out there as soon as you can and, um, and learn from it and, and, and make sure you have that feedback loop in, make sure you're talking with your customers and, and, um, uh, you know, get as much information as you can back from those customers the, the second you launch. That's just, uh, that's really, really important. Sure. No, I, I think that that is really good advice. And as a fellow designer, I, I totally, totally understand the struggle of just kind of letting go. And I think it's also another key point. And it, it might sound maybe a little controversial, especially coming from a designer. But I really think that, you know, designers obviously push for the design to be perfect and developers push for their piece to be perfect. And the business side kind of pushes for timelines and budget and that stuff. And everybody's got their kind of what they think is the most important. And I think the best designers I've worked with, and I've really kind of shifted my attitude the last few years towards the whole like, you know, at the end of the day, yes, I think my piece is the most important. And you probably think the design piece is the most important as well. But you also have to step back and say, like you mentioned, like, the most important thing is what can we do in the time allotted before a release date or with what's in budget or what's buildable within that amount of time, right? Because yeah, I can do anything in Photoshop or Sketch, but if it's not buildable in three weeks when we have to roll out this feature for a customer or a trade show or, or whatever it is, if we miss it because one of those segments missed the boat or really pushed too far, then I don't think you're being a very good team player either. So I think letting go and knowing when to let go and it's good enough, at least for a current version, and you might come back to it later, I think is a super, super important point that you touched on. And I just kind of want to reiterate that because I think there's a shift in the industry where, you know, especially when you're rolling out product and you're launching new features that you really need to consider all the avenues and the people that you're working with to roll out these features on time and get them out so people can start testing them and using them and giving you feedback. Yeah. And you know, one of the struggles I like, uh, again, like I come from a design background. Um, I've, I've been immersed in that design culture. I actually taught uh, design at the U of A as a session for six years. Um, and uh, it's, 
it's something that I'm getting more and more um, this sort of iteration and, and um, launch and get feedback, um, even in a design sense. Sure. Design traditionally is so much, um, uh, you know, you, you kind of get the brief, you, you walk away, you kind of go in your little, you know, corner, you design something and you, you know, it's grand unveiling at the end. And this is the beautiful whatever I designed. And and designers can get into that, that um, sort of on that treadmill where they just kind of, kind of keep doing that. And I think philosophically, it works better when you're, when you're really doing a collaborative design, when you're getting feedback, not totally. only from users and customers, but also from, from developers, from mm -hmm. the marketing people, from all of these sides. And um, <clears throat> you're taking that information and, and, and figuring out um, how to really deliver something that works. And it's, it's, a, it's a different approach in design to sort of take, it, um, take those steps and go iteration, 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 feedback, feedback, feedback is very different than the sort of the, the grand unveiling. Um, but I think that's the way design has to move, Agreed. especially in a digital world. Sure. No, I, I totally agree. And, and like when I'm doing design, I always pull, uh, you know, a developer or two and even somebody from the business side or marketing side. I, I consider them kind of one and the same. Like, I don't mean to group them together. It's just I like to have somebody that that's kind of either like managing the product or timeline or client or, and so I just call them the business side. It's way easier to have three verticals instead of, but I always have at least, you know, a developer and uh, somebody kind of on the marketing or business side in, in the room. And because, and then we'll just wireframe on a whiteboard, right? And then I'll go away, do a design, pull them back in, kind of work through or like walk them through the flow, kind of get their feedback do another round and then, you know, kind of go through that. And it might take two or three rounds before you kind of get a, a version one of something you're going to build, but at least you have buy-in from kind of all three sides on what's buildable, what's in the timeline and um, kind of what, what's going to work from the design side. And I, I think that's super important. And I, I love that we kind of share that same passion and value when it comes from design, especially when you're building product. Well, yeah, and the business side is uh, the, the business goals are so paramount, and and that's the one area that a lot of times designers just um, uh, you know, kind of ignore, you know. And it, but it really, in the end, you've got this this business goal, um, and uh, you know that's that's really proof of whether it works or not. And um, you know, and I've taken sort of that collaborative design a few times to a very you know like uh, um, uh, right on sort of the fringe. And 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 I, lately, there's been a few times where I've actually um, been designing, um, designing with, uh, with, uh, a customer. Cause I actually have done a little bit of uh, a client work on the side here and there just cause I'm still kind of a, you know, designer at heart and, sure. and, um, uh, and even, even on dry run as well and, and sat there and actually, this is of course, this is like a horror story for designers. When you, when you tell people and they, you know, designers have been, I know have been forced to do this and it's just can be so awful is when you sit there with the customer and all these people, and they're all throwing ideas at you while you're trying to design, and it's just like you know, it's it's like designer hell. <laughs> but I've actually had that work really well a few times, and it's and and I've been, it's because I instigated it, and I, I said, hey, let's sit down and let's try and figure this out. And what I found is is um, when when I'm sort of working on this sort of design with a lot of people sort of sitting there, and, and we're trying to figure something out. Um, if we if we sort of stay on the sort of the business goals and the discussion is about how do we make this work better for um, sort of that end use? How do we make it work better for the user? Um, it's, it's there's been a few times where it's been it's worked really well and it's been really interesting because um, when it's designers sometimes in a situation like that just sort of shut down mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you tell me what to do and I'll do it and then and then it goes south really really quick. Uh, but it, it was really interesting because when I was sort of saying okay here's here's where we got to go and and we had some tight deadlines. We had to figure this out. And it's like, all right, just let's figure this out right now. Everybody gather around. And But when we kept it on a user experience level, we talked about the business goals and how it was contributing to that. Um, it ended up being a really constructive way to, to adapt and, and, and sort of evolve the design uh, because he had this sort of instant feedback loop and, and um, these instant comments and, and um uh, some of it I thought was really valuable as well because you know when you're when you're on the web when you're when when you're in a product like that um, that first gut reaction people have a lot of times that's that's exactly what's going to happen on the web you have a matter of a few seconds to get someone's attention and and um, 
it's definitely not a tactic I would use all the time, but um, it was something that I found uh, really interesting. And, and I know when designers sometimes get thrown into that situation where um, it's sort of that design by committee, um, that's what I would encourage them to do is actually just change the, change the, uh, uh, the way you discuss it and change the sort of um, context to uh, be all about um, business case outcomes and, and user. And um, that actually can really help that process go really quite smoothly rather than feeling like you're just sort of, um, uh, you know, someone says, turn it blue. Okay, I'll turn it blue and see what happens, right? So yep. it's uh, an, interesting, an interesting experience where a few years ago, I probably looked at that and thought, oh man, there's nothing worse. And then I had it work a few times. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really interesting because I've kind of done that in the past as well. And I think what I learned from it is you can really steer and you kind of have to watch your wording a little bit sometimes I find, but at the end of the day, if you can be in front of the client or committee of people and you can get them to say like, look, this is our target market. And you know, none of us are that target market because like, let's say it's for nurses, for example. Right. And if you're sitting in a boardroom with a client and you're building a product for nurses, well, if none of them are nurses, they're not the target market. And if you can really get them to focus on like, here's the user stories and here's who we're designing for. And, you know, traditionally based on experience and research, these are what, you know, colors and fonts and imagery speak to nurses. And you have everybody focused on the target market and not their opinion. Designing in front of, you know, the client or a committee of clients can actually be really useful and you can save a lot, a lot of time if you keep the focus on the end user and not kind of their opinion. And I, I think it's it's actually quite fascinating that you've tried this as well because I haven't met a lot of other designers that are kind of, I guess, have the balls to do it like you have. And, you know, I think it's awesome to talk about this. It's a risky, <laughs> it's a risky one to try, but when it, when it works, it, it works really well. And, and, uh, and the other thing I, like, I, I really encourage designers to do, um, is, is to do a lot of user testing and, and sure. uh, that can be such a humbling experience. I know you've, you've, I'm, I know you've stood there and, and watched users using something and went, oh man, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it was so humbling because you're like, how are they not finding that? Or how are they so confused by this? Um, and, uh, but when it's, when, when you really stress, like when you really push that user testing and you're very hands off and um, uh, it's, it's funny, I've seen some, I've actually just recently actually was, uh, went through a, a user testing document from a, a friend of mine and, you know, it was, a, it was a project he was working on and I'm like, your user testing document, it was just, it was, it was, um, it was too guided. I could, I could sort of see, it's like, hey, we're going to skip the first three steps and then we'll be able to give the check up, check box on the fourth. Um, and man, you got to start right from scratch because sometimes it can be the actual fundamental, like, you know, the, the, the ideal circumstance when the way you're talking about is you have to get nurses, you have to get them in, get them in front of the computer and, and, um, uh, get that feedback from that user group, because there's usually some unique things that can happen that can be common across a user group, but isn't sort of standard, you know, so, so, so-called standard on the web, um, and it can be really humbling, but it's amazing how much better the, the the product and the designs will be when you do that, and you have that user group sitting there and have them sort of involved uh, with with that process. Totally, I I used to joke um, at my last job that anytime you feel like you're the you're the greatest designer on the planet, just start doing some user testing, and you will get <laughs> your ego checked so fast about like where you dropped the ball or what you didn't even consider within like. A matter of minutes so i, <laughs> I always oh, found man. that really humbling you're just like you know like if you need an ego check just do it do some user experience testing oh yeah and man like and it's funny because i don't know what the, the pass fail rate should be for user experience but at the odd time uh usability the odd time i, I know if we've sat there and been like wow like there's an 80 90 failure rate on some little you know some item somewhere and you're like man i thought that made sense but it is like absolute utter failure you know? <laughs> yeah but but, but I like that we're we're having this open discussion about this stuff because I, I I'm kind of sick of the user experience consultant that will tell you they're gonna get it right right out of the gate every time. It's like nobody will. It, it'll never happen. You know, you no. might get eighty percent, you might get forty percent sometimes, right? The odd time you might get it a hundred percent, right? If you've done a lot of work in in certain industries, but it the fact is, if you do user testing before it goes live 
you can catch those like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Well before, you know, with a select group of people and you don't need lots of people. You, you, need, you can get it with a handful of people, maybe 10 people. You get feedback. You know, if you get five or six nurses, they're going to catch 90% of the user experience problems. You don't need tens of people or hundreds of people to do it. And there is tools online that you can do that with. But in, in a lot of cases, you don't need that many people to verify your user experience for your target market. No, not at all. I, I've, um, I always think of the bare minimum as three. Six, oh, yeah, six even better. That's great. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing what you'll find out. And like, like I said, even when you're watching user testing, even with a single user, there's times where I've looked and go, yeah, now that I see that, that's going to catch everybody. Like I know right away. Sure. And then there's there's the more subtle things, and there's areas where it's like, well, you know, is that is that going to be something that's going to confuse everybody, or is this a, a unique situation? Of course, that's when you get, you know, six to ten users can can uh, really help you. But you know, past that, you're you're burning through money, and you're you're not, you know, you're not getting that that same sort of feedback. And it's um, but it is it's, it's one of the most humbling experiences, but it's also one that that can take you, um, take you the furthest, and and. You know, it's, it was easier for me to sort of, I guess, be a little bit dismissive of, of um, user testing, user experience, and, and getting down to the really, you know, um, fundamental, like, let's test this and make sure we got it right, um, until it's, 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 it's an actual, like, product, and people have to buy it, and if they don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. Like, I, there's, 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 no, there's no wiggle room. I'm not getting paid for this unless people really like the product and buy it, and so suddenly it changes your mind a bit to go like, yeah, now it's, it's uh, what is going to get us a better user experience faster. What is going to get us success faster? Where are they dropping off? Um, you, you just, uh, out of necessity, you've got to do, take that process, but you can take that same process just in, in um, user testing on, on, on service products and everything else, and it'll massively improve them, but it actually takes a bit more discipline when it's not your, your you know, it's not your ass in the line. It's somebody else's kind of thing. Right. Um, it's, uh, but I, I, I think designers could benefit so much from, from being much more collaborative, much more, uh, you know, test everything with the users and, and, and gain that feedback. And it's, it's not to make things perfect, but it, it will make things a lot better. Sure. No, I, I think that's super important. And I, I also like how, and it's kind of going back a little bit, um, that you touched on kind of doing support as well and getting feedback. And I think the fact that people and your customers get to talk to you, the founder, and kind of give their feedback to the founder, I find is really useful. People are like, he really cares because he's talking to me as a customer and you almost become friends with your customers a little bit. And you're just, you know, you talk, you end up just kind of having a little bit of conversation about like, hey, how's it going? How's life? You know, what's new? And I think that's also super valuable too, that once you start interacting with your customers and you, you start getting their feedback and just, you almost become friends. And I think that can be super, super important. And then they're a lot more open to give you honest feedback if you're kind of almost like a friend with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's um, building up that rapport with your, with your customers and with your users is so critical. And you never know when, where, where that person is going to be. It's, it's amazing that um, like we recently got a, a customer from, from Edmonton. I, I have no idea who it is. I don't know how they found out about us, maybe just straight online. Um, and someone I haven't really been able to connect with yet. So it's just, um, but on the other hand, I had, uh, I had one of our customers, um, from Boston, just, just phone me one day and we were on the phone for like an hour and it yeah. was, it was amazing. Like the, 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 uh, the, the useful information they had. And, and, you know, it's like, first off the guy's like, I've never phoned a company like yours before in my life, but this could be really great for my business. Um, here's how I'm using it, but here's where we really need to go with it. And it was just, it was such a great conversation and, and uh, when you get those, um, it's almost like we were talking about this user testing, like, man, I don't need to get feedback from hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, just flowing in. But man, like, you know, it's just that, that, that handful every week where you just get a, a, that really good feedback and those great conversations happening. Um, that's where you get that real value and, and you start to see those trends. And, and um, uh, it's, uh, um, you know, like a, a couple months ago, we actually had two, I had two people within about an hour um, ping me on intercom with the same issue. And it's a really little issue, but I realized, I'm like, man, you know, that little issue is actually really affecting our customers. It's affecting conversion. Um, and, uh, but it was amazing. It's like, that's not a hard fix. But when I looked at it from sort of a, a, a bigger picture, I'm like, yeah, but that's no wonder they, you know, for their specific instance, it is affecting them. 
But when it's two of them within an hour, I'm like, how many people that have signed up have left us and we and would never tell us? We didn't know. And sure. but that's the reason, right? No, that's so totally it's, good. It's, it's it's amazing what that's the one thing that I would I would just uh, uh, that we talked about. Like for anyone that's trying to launch a product, um, it's it's you know launch and learn, launch quick. I was it took way too long for us to get our initial product out. Um, uh, you know, um, even though we we're really pushing for it, but try and get it out quick, launch and learn, and and just anything you can do to get that customer feedback is just so important. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And it also can even open up new markets to you, right? Like if sometimes a customer's like, you know, if you had these three features, you know, I can use this in this part of my business. And that might open up markets that you never even considered that, you know, you add a few things and those features might take, you know, a hundred hours or they might take like four hours. I, I don't know. And you kind of have to judge that for your own business. But I think sometimes you can, I've seen that happen where you add a couple things and it just, it kind of goes crazy. And all of a sudden you're in this new market and you're like, well, this is awesome, right? I'm now in my products growing in this market that I never even considered. Well, and you know, some of the things like even we were originally priced on, on number of users and, and we were told basically, you know, from our, the feedback we got, flat out that's the wrong way to do it like our customers did not want that our potential customers did not want that and what was interesting is is um in the end the way we're modeling it now if a customer has a customer has multiple users or, or maybe it's an accountant that has a bunch of their their comp businesses on because we've actually been asked to to, to uh, uh sort of better accommodate that interesting um, it, it makes it like it'll make us a lot more money makes a lot more profitable which of course gives us a lot more room to be able to build the business um but they didn't care. They're willing to spend more if um, it works better for their business. And, and um, even sort of our pricing levels, we've just been told absolutely plain outright, yeah, if you did this, I'd pay that a month. Easy. I need this. And it's like, wow, that is amazing feedback to have. Um, and when you kind of get that more than once, you realize, yeah, okay, that's where we have to go. There's a problem here that um, we're 80% of the way there, but man, this this last bit will will We'll put them over the edge to becoming a customer, but it also can really improve our our uh, that average customer value that is so important to get um, to make yourself sustainable and, and and start to grow that that business. Sure, it, it, that is pretty incredible when you have customers basically saying, "If you add these things, I will give you more money." <laughs> yeah, and, and you know we have we have customers that I I swear they've they've bought. Um, uh, subscriptions because they just want to support us because they love where we're going. Sure, and that's that's a really fascinating fascinating thing for me to to see that they just kind of like, yeah, I like what you're doing, um, but here's where we'd really like you to go, and and it's it's uh, that that says a lot. It's it's you know the 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 the, the number one um, uh, thing for me like going all the way back when we had our first paying customer, and it just sort of came through that whole funnel online. That that single purchase was just like, wow, you know, all of this hard work and headache and delays and, and, and all of these things that happened. Um, all of a sudden it's just like somebody, somebody found us, they came in and they bought. Yeah. And it, it just sort of validates that, Hey, that's because really in the end in a product like this, um, it's, uh, it's, it's all about the customer. The customer is going to pay the customer to pay your bills. It, it either works or it doesn't work. And um, that was such a big defining moment. And it wasn't a lot of money, of course, or anything. But man, it's just getting that first paying customer. It was just like, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't someone I, you know, I was, I was sort of new, was working, walking them through nothing, just online, they're paying for it. Um, they, they saw the value in the product. And that, that was such a big lift for us. And that's, um, uh, that's something that, uh, uh, that I'm, I'm actually not very good at sales. That's something I've really got to work on. Um, you know, I'm such a, product guy at heart such a designer at heart but that's that next step that you know not only getting feedback from the customers but really understanding what 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 will get them to buy um, and learning that sales process and, and actually doing those sales myself so we can start to grow that and understand what they want that's so important too and that's something that for a startup I would say that you know I didn't do a very good job of but I would say right off the bat is is start selling right away you know learn from your customers but also figure out what will get them to buy and you need to get those sales because you need to get us you know even that first sale to validate that yes yeah, someone is willing to pay for this um is is a really really big step even though it's you know it doesn't come even close to covering any costs it is a big step to validate that yes you've got something that um, people want 
And uh, so that's something that um, as soon as you launch, you also got to try and get those sales. Or even before you launch, try and get that sale to just validate that someone is actually willing to say more than, hey, this is great, a great idea. They're actually willing to, to, to uh, you know, pop in their credit card and pay for it. Totally. Blaine, I, I hate to cut you short, but we're out of time. This has been awesome. Um, maybe kind of just in closing, let's promote kind of, again, where people can find it's dryrun.com, but maybe let's promote a little bit where people can find either dryrun on other social media sites and yourself. Uh, well, the, uh, the one we use the most is, is, is Twitter. It's my dry run. It's at my dry run. Um, but of course, uh, dryrun.com is the best place to go to, to get in touch with us. Um, and I can also be found on LinkedIn. Um, you can actually find, uh, my LinkedIn profile right from dryrun.com, um, and, uh, uh, connect with me there, you know, even ask me questions there. And uh, I would really encourage anyone that's interested um, in, in giving dry run a try, just sign up for a free trial. And, and once you're inside there, you can send us uh, messages, ask questions, send feedback. I absolutely love feedback. Um, and, uh, you can even uh, email me directly. Uh, the easiest way to spell I'll, I'll say is a uh, hello at dryrun.com. Um, just, uh, instead of trying to spell my name. So sure. No, that's awesome. And I will post those links in the show notes as well. For anybody listening, they can go to the website, uh, building um, but Blaine, again, thanks for doing this. This has been awesome. Um, we could keep talking for probably another hour or two. We'll have to do another show. I know I'm curious about another project that, um, you're kind of working on. I won't mention it now, but I definitely want to have you again on the show to cover, cover what you're doing with that product. I think it's, it's always kind of been a passion of mine kind of growing up and I think it's interesting and I think we could definitely do another show on it. So we'll leave it at that. You'll be on the show again in the new year. And uh, again, thanks for doing this. It's been awesome. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. Terrific. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Blaine. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.